0: Randy, how are you? What did you do this weekend?
1: Actually, Lily, we did something really cool. There's an amazing photographer that we know here in London and he occasionally opens up his studio and he's got this great setup and he'll just take a bunch of pictures of you on spec and you just buy the ones that you want. And as we hadn't done a holiday card yet and he would found a way to make it covid safe, I took the family out and we got some amazing pictures.
0: Ah, nice. I hope I'm getting one of those cards. And that story, amazingly, leads right into what we're talking about today. So we all use images a lot in our work, and as they say, an image speaks a thousand words, but maybe we don't spend enough time thinking about where they came from.
1: Oh, that's true. So it's nice today that we got to talk to Grant Farhall. He's the chief product officer at Getty Images, and we talked to him about how product works there, what makes a good image. And how his company stays relevant in a world where everyone shares images all the time.
0: You know, I loved this chat. And just take a gander at Getty Images' look back at 2020 as it is so emotional. And while you're doing that, let's hear from Grant. The product experience is brought to you by Mind the Product.
1: Every week, we talk to the best product people from around the globe about how we can improve our practice and build products that people
0: love. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and to discover an extensive library of great content and videos.
1: Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium articles, unseen videos, AMAs, roundtables, discounts to our conferences around the world, training opportunities, and more.
0: Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you. Grant, welcome to the podcast. It's really lovely to have you here today.
2: Thanks for having me. This is great.
0: So before we get started on hearing all about what it's like being a Chief Product Officer at Getty, just give us a really quick intro into your background in product, how you got into it, and what you're doing these days.
2: Sure, uh, I've been at Getty Images and iStock for about ten years. Actually, coming up in ten years in about three weeks, uh, early January will be my decade anniversary, which is which is something I'm quite proud of. Prior to uh, coming to Getty and iStock, I, I actually worked in radio uh, and had made a career pivot away from that, and uh, somehow convinced Getty Images to hire a radio guy to be a product manager, and. Um, <laughs> You know, off and running, and, and have been very fortunate to work in a variety of roles, uh, in product management, and also as general manager of iStock and head of e-commerce for Getty Images, and and now into the role that I have now as chief product officer. So it's been a a, a windy, twisty road, but but one with a lot of reward and fulfillment, and uh, extremely proud of of being a part of Getty.
1: So I need to thank you before I ask you any questions, which is uh, because when I was at Sirius Satellite Radio many, many years ago, I was running the web content team. And when I discovered iStock, it cut our photo budget down by to about a tenth of what it was. And that was a massive win for me. So uh, I think that might have been before your time there, but still, I'm going to give you all the credit anyway. Well, the funny (laughs)
2: thing is I was around for the very beginning of iStock. I had worked for a company called Evolves Media that was owned by Bruce Livingston. Bruce was the founder of iStock and he was developing iStock in the background sort of in the corner of the office and he used to come to me and I was helping manage his development studio and you know, I need designers, I need engineers, I need technology help. And I'd be like, Bruce, I've got paying client work here. There's a <laughs> photo website that you're working on. What is this all about? And, and then, of course, I noticed it started to get bigger. And then there were more of them than us. And you know, so I was around for the beginning of iStock and had worked in the creative space before. And same thing. I remember uh, leafing through uh, catalogs, printed catalogs from PhotoDisc <laughs> and Image Club and scouring to try and find some image that would work. And then iStock came along with the digitization and the low price and the really rich license. And it, I mean, it was a game changer, I think, for a lot of creatives.
1: Yeah, it made a massive difference for us. What I didn't realize is that Getty Images was actually founded back in the 90s. I thought it was a much older company than that. Um, so I'm curious. So this was before the cult cult of cult, culture of product management really took hold. What does product management mean at Getty Images?
2: I think it's a great question because I think it, it means so many different things in in so many different places, and it's it's really evolved over time. For us at Getty Images, product management is all about understanding the customer, understanding the market conditions, and and leveraging that information to identify the most meaningful problems to solve, and then providing all that valuable input and insight and information and data to a cross functional team of typically you know technology and engineers. And designers and product managers and analysts and marketing and everyone, the right group of people so that the right solution gets surfaced and and executed to solve that problem. It's it's no longer for me. Product in the past was positioned as either the mini CEO or sometime that those were the people that had to come up with the idea. That's not what it is for me and that's not what it is at Getty Images. It's about having a process and rigor and discipline so that the right problems are found. And then the right solution is implemented. It's, it's almost like the grease in the wheels.
0: And how do you find that kind of role of uh, CPO different to the role of the product manager? Like you personally, like, do you prefer to be down in the tactical detail of product management? Do you, do you miss that side of things? Or, and has that been a real kind of natural progression for you into that CPO role?
2: you know i think as people move through their career they all i think it's not easy to up level you know the natural progression is is you know you're you're moving up and your your role gets broader the the way you look at things has to get wider and more complete uh, and it's easy to get sucked down into the details, I, I, and I think anyone that's kind of moving through their career, that is something that we all experience in real time. And 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 initially, it's uncomfortable, and, I, and I'll say that for me too. You know, I, I think at times I, I've been guilty of going too much into the detail, but you know, I, I think as the as in the role I have, it, it's really about facilitating and leading the team so they can do their best work, and and removing obstacles and And providing a culture of inclusivity and a culture where again the right solution gets identified and implemented and and providing that support uh, and, and and you know i 'm a big believer in over communication, so I think one of the ways that people settle into the right altitude is when information is flowing across an organization really well. Uh, because there's not a need to kind of go into the details because you, you know what's happening. So, you know, it's it's been a process, uh, but it's been one that I, I've really cherished and I've had really strong support and people that I've learned from. And, and uh, you know, it, it seems to be going good.
0: And I guess on that, you know, it, it, you're right, it is really difficult moving between those different Levels Because it's, the, the roles are quite different, aren't they, between product management and head of product and, and up to CPO levels. So is there any advice that you give people who are in those sort of transitionary stages? You,
2: you know, I think it's, it's always you need to trust your people. And, it, and if you don't trust your people, then ask yourself why. And is it because you don't have the right people or is it about some internal anxiety? Is, is it about your lack of willingness to let go? Uh, But that's a question you need to answer yourself with a lot of honesty and and humility to understand why you're not able to um, let go and and, and delegate. Uh, Because really, in this type of role, it's about setting the direction and then allowing people to move in that direction. So if, if you find you don't have that, then I think that's time where you have to ask yourself some very honest questions.
1: One of the things you've done in your career is bounce back and forth between roles that have product in the title and more general management roles. And one of the things that uh, people complain about sometimes in product jobs is that they have all the responsibility, but none of the power uh, and not having the responsibility for P&L, but trying to enact things. It sounds like that's not quite the case at Getty Images, or at least that's not been your specific case.
2: Yeah, I mean it, titles are difficult, right? They again they mean so many different things and and people have mental models that they associate with a title when they hear it and 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 probably more often than not we're all wrong when we when we're not in it and understand it deeply. Um you know I I, I think you know the way I look at it is you know i 'm certainly responsible to certain parts of the revenue but but never solely responsible I mean I, I work closely with my partners in marketing and content and technology, where we all need to be aligned and rolling in the same direction to achieve those outcomes um, you know and in, in, in my career path of getting images, I was fortunate because I had a lot of roles where I had to learn about leading through influence I, I think even if you have the authority to tell people what to do quote. You know, I think if you have to do that, if that's the way you have to lead, then, then I think that there's something wrong or there's something that's not mm-hmm. ideal. I, I think that the ability to lead through influence and bring groups of people together and give them the context, give them the reason, the purpose behind something is a far more powerful and sustainable way that you actually generate followership and you actually generate the ability for teams to come together to to solve problems. If, if you're having to tell people what to do all the time, there's there's something not working well.
0: And I wonder, you know, with uh, that kind of CPO role and with your background of the product roles and leading through influence, when you're leading your team of product managers, I guess one of the ways in which you provide leadership is by setting that vision or purpose or direction. So how do you approach that within Getty?
2: You, you know, I, I, we have a lot of information we can rely on, and but I, I would say one of the things we try and do is, and, and you know, never before has there been a greater moment to do this, but, you know, y- you need to figure out not just where you, where you are and where your customers are today, but more the trajectory they're on. Where are they going so mm-hmm. that you can meet them there? And, and I think COVID is a great example of that, where the world has changed in pretty dramatic ways around us. And even as we get through this, uh, which we're all hoping, and, and it seems like there's good things happening, but you know, even as we come through on the other side of this, I think it would be naive to assume that the world looks like it did before. Uh, there's the before and the after, and, and, and we need to figure out sort of what the after looks like and how that changes our customers, the work they're doing, and therefore what they need from us. So So often when we're thinking about long-term planning, that's the way we're thinking about it is we know what we need to do right now. But what's, what's beyond that? What sits past the immediate priorities that we need to start putting focus and energy and resource against to make sure that when our customers get there, we meet them there? And, and that's some of the mental model.
1: Are you able to tell us a little bit about how that has changed for you guys in, in 2020? I mean, you've got an interesting model where you're a double-sided marketplace working with people who are supplying the imagery and people who are purchasing it. What, what's this year been like for you? How's it, how has it affected you?
2: You know, I, I think the most dramatic example of it is indeed about it's the content, it's the images, and it's the video, and 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 that's the core of our business. We we are all about the content and having differentiated content, and differentiated content that we get from our contributors, our image partners, and, and so on and so forth. I think what's really interesting about COVID is that there's been fairly static concepts where certain types of things have looked kind of the same for a very long time. You know, business, family technology. Now it changes, but it changes gradually. If you looked at a a standard stock image of business from 2019 versus 2010, you'd see some differences. You'd see different clothes. You'd see different pieces of technology. Maybe the, the, the lighting would be different. There's definitely been a shift towards more authenticity, but that was more gradual. And then COVID hits. And in a moment, those representations changed dramatically. Uh, you know, the, the, the standard image of a handshake no longer became the way that business could be represented. <laughs> uh, people wearing masks, people being on Zoom calls to, to collaborate. All these things, uh, depictions of really standard topics, in a moment, really went through some dramatic change. And our customers needed those up-to-date depictions. That's what they needed. So, you know, we had to work with our contributors and our photographers to be able to update our imagery very, very quickly. And again, I'm talking about business, but you can think about anything, how we shop, how we travel, leisure activity, dating, um, how we eat, how we source our food. Like all these things change so dramatically in such a short period of time. I I don't think we've ever seen that before before. And that's that's a lot of where we had to put energy is working with our talented photographers and videographers to make sure that our customers could tell their stories using up to date images. Uh, you know, I was watching a, a TV show the other night, and there was an ad that came on. I'm not going to name who the who the company was because that would be that would be kind of jerkish of me. But <laughs> it was an ad where it had like a, a financial consultant sitting on a couch next to their customer, but they had they had scrolling along the bottom of the ad you know, that this was shot before COVID. Because I <laughs> think all of us see that our instant reaction is, oh, they're sitting too close together. Like there's no social distancing there. Um so rather you know, all these companies had to update their communications too to reflect the new normal. And and we were a big part of that. So I, I think that's been a really interesting to thing to watch. And 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 our contributors have done an amazing job of embracing that and, and supplying amazing depictions of what the world now looks like even as it changes every week and every month
0: and did your product teams in terms of the processes that you have and the and the way that you manage your products did you have to change anything to respond to that sudden rapid change in the images that were required?
2: It's, a, it's always one of the things we're working on is how do you surface the right images to customers? And and obviously that became more important. So it's a combination of what we deliver in the algorithm. It's what we merchandise on the on the sites in places like the homepage or pivot points, you know, off of the search results page. You know, it's it's giving the customer all sorts of different ways that they can uh, find the content they need, and and you know, in a world with hundreds of millions of images, chances are we have the right image, uh, but but customers aren't going to pour through millions of images. You got to get the right one in front of them early in the process. So, I, I don't know that it required us to do anything dramatically different. That that's always you know a, a, an area of attention is how do you get customers to the right image as efficiently and intuitively as possible. But I, I think it had it underscored the importance of it. Uh, you know, just because again the nature of how quickly the world changed and therefore how we visualize the world changed. Over the past two
1: years, things have changed a lot in that there used to be a huge barrier of entry for uh, being able to supply a good image. You need to be a professional photographer. You need to have good equipment. And I've always heard that the best camera is the one that you have handy at the moment. But now we've all got these incredible cameras in our pockets all the time. Has it really changed the way that you work with suppliers?
2: You know, I think it's opened up the world. I mean, and, and really, even even the early days of iStock, some of our best photographers originally came into it as as hobbyists, or they would call themselves semi pro, and you know they just learned the craft and learned how to work with the equipment and and overcame those historic barriers. But I think you are right; the the equipment has become so advanced. It, you know, the way I would say it is that I think it has become far easier to take a good photo. I think it is still extremely hard, and you have the you need to have the right combination of talent and skill and technological ability to take a great photo so that's the way i view it and that's oversimplifying it you know and i know that but i i think the again the bar or, or the the ease to get a good photo definitely that became much easier but there's still magic required still real talent required to uh to take a great photo and and the other thing is it's 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 also not just about the camera and capturing the photo that you intend to Click. It's, it's everything that happens before. It's it's understanding how to compose, how to, how to take a different angle, you know. E- even prior to COVID, it's you know taking the, a, a standard concept such as such as business. That's the one I like to use. Well, what's a unique way of illustrating a business concept? That's not just two people shaking hands. What's a, what's a unique take? What's a new take on that? And, and a lot of that is where the talent sits. The, the, the moment that you hit click on your camera or your phone, that's the culmination of all the work that happened up until that moment. And, and that's really where I think the, the talent stands out.
1: Fancy leveling up your product management skills in 2021?
0: Always.
1: Are you ready to take that next step in your product career? Of course. Maybe you've got end-of-year budget to play with? Well, you're in luck. Mind the Product has just released their training workshops for the first half of 2021.
0: They're offering interactive remote workshops with no more than eight to a class. You can focus the work on your own product, collaborate with your group to tackle current challenges, and walk away with frameworks and tools you can use right away.
1: So start 2021 off right and join us at a two-day remote workshop. Choose from product management foundations, communication and alignment, metrics for product managers, or mapping to solve product
0: problems. Find out more and book your place at mindtheproduct.com forward slash workshops. How do you approach diversity as well in the business? And because it's quite a hot topic these days, but also as a, a provider of content which represents things. Um, I guess you you have a a responsibility to ensure that you have a good diverse range of images that people can use.
2: Yeah, I I think that's a great comment and certainly an area of attention that has been, you know, even underscored more in the last, you know, 12 months or so, you know, I think we have a responsibility that we're able to uh, provide our customers with images that illustrate the world and all of its wonderful diversity. And, you know, that is why we have partnerships with groups like lean in and with um, uh, the disability collection um, and several others where, you know, we work with organizations to, Allow those images and pieces of video to to be supplied um, and then we need to make sure on the technology and product side that those things are easily discovered in search and and that customers can get to the right image, including all the different components of diversity that's important to them and I, and I think where you get where you get into you know the next level is when you consider sort of multi dimensions so you know it's it's when you're combining several different dimensions of inclusivity and, and diversity. You know, that's where we need to make sure that we're having enough of that supply and that customers are, are able to find that. Are, have we solved it completely? Are we perfect on that front? No, we're absolutely not. You know, I, I think, you know, one of the challenges is that, you know, you've got the the element of um, search feed search, so like any search engine, are our, our search surfaces images that customers previously had downloaded and looked at, and all those things so you, you have you have the risk of sort of that vicious circle of perpetuation just happening, and, and how do you intervene over the top of that so that you 're able to actually show a truly diverse set so you know when I look at what we have from a content point of view, when I look at what we return in a lot of our searches, I think there 's been a lot of progress made there. But I don't, I don't think the work is done. I think there's a lot more effort still to be made to, to truly reflect the world as we should. And again, in, in all of its wonderful diversity.
1: Have you seen, have you noticed any trends in uh, the type of imagery that clients are, are using over the last couple of years? Are you are, uh, you're talking about you can see this and you can uh, try and lead people in a direction uh, or at least encourage them in it? But are you seeing them lead you?
2: You know, I I think the trend that's been out there for the last number of years has just been about authenticity. And, you know, Randy, you talked about earlier when when you had experience with stock in some of the early days, the the early days of stock was – Everything was really composed, you know part of the value that that stock imagery could offer was that it was highly professional, but at that time that meant again very composed you know often retouched um, you know with models and props and and sets and and all of that right and mm-hmm. you know I think what customers are looking for now are are real images of real people doing real things and and you know they they want to have that almost rawness. You know, so uh, something like, uh, you know, uh, a glare from the sun, you know, 10 years ago, that would have been looked at as a a fatal flaw of an image. In fact, Mm. probably at iStock, we probably would have rejected it. Whereas (laughs) now that's looked at as an element of authenticity. It it, it makes it raw. And, you know, you've seen growth in, you know, things like selfies and, and point of view. Where, where you know, it's, it's about being in the moment and capturing the essence and the emotion of the moment, as opposed to a posed image of someone, you know, holding a drill and not even looking at what they're drilling into a piece of wood, you know. <laughs> so it's th- that's been the big trend. And, you know, that that goes back a number of years, but I, I think it continues to push in that direction.
0: Um, and there's been a, a flurry of other brands that provide imagery online, Unsplash um, being one of them, which I think has taken off massively in the last few years. So uh, how do you see yourself against these different competitive threats of, um, you know, these new kind of startup businesses that are looking at this market? And how do you sort of manage defending your place in the world from a product point of view
2: well i think again it starts with the content for us i mean we we supplied differentiated content at scale um images that transcend what's typical and what's what's easily sourced beyond what is sort of the commodity content but but i think when customers are looking at when to source their images i i I think look at the entire package you're not just licensing an image you're not buying an image at all what you're doing is you're you're buying the rights to an image so that means it's the image itself it's the metadata with the image and and it's the license that it comes with and and within that it's how can you use the image but then what is the legal protection you have there? And, and again, I think that's something that, that I would encourage folks to spend more time looking at and understanding what is the, the legal risk and liability that you have. You know, at, at Getty Images, when you're licensing an image from us, you can rest assured that it has a model release, it has a property release, that we've done the diligence to make sure that there's nothing in the background of the image that would infringe copyrights and And we offer legal identification that that's part of the package you're getting from from Getty images and from istock and and I think that's something that that customers should make sure they look at and understand is what is that total thing, and what am I getting, and what am I not getting, including if I'm licensing for free versus paying for a license
0: and do you see that? changing over the years because obviously you, you know you've talked about kind of how things in the future would work like do you think that there there will always be that need for uh I guess the, the big publishers of the world to need something that's very unique and uh, you know an image that's very unique to them and kind of uh shows that they're uh with the times in the moment you know that they've got the, <laughs> they've got the right thing at the right moment
2: yeah and more more than ever because i think there's so much visual noise in the world we're we're confronted by it all the time um you know now more on digital media more than anything else but even if you're out and about the the visual noise that sits around us in in all shapes and sizes you know the challenge that marketers and communicators and businesses have is how do you how do you cut through that noise how do you get your message heard and you know particularly with sort of the the various media choices changing rapidly there's been huge growth in in the volume of images people need because they're using them now on social media mm-hmm. and and so on and so forth but what doesn't change is you still need to be able to cut through and and one of the ways you can cut through is be is by having an image or a piece of video that cuts through so so i think that that need is always going to be there because we're just hit with so many messages you think about which ones do you pay attention to? Which ones resonate? That it, something about it cuts through and sinks in. And there's a lot of stuff that we all ignore. So, you know, that's what we try and offer our customers is the ability to cut through.
1: When you see uh, go out to see to see other sites and you see people dropping imagery in, are there mistakes that you just see all the time again and again? What's the one thing that product people should know about what makes a good image choice and how they should work with their design partners?
2: But but that's a big I mean the obvious answer is the, the one that cracks me up is when I see a watermarked image being used. <laughs> um, there's a there's a uh, up in Canada here we have something called Skip the Dishes which is similar to I think Uber Eats and there's a there's a burger place where the the image of their burger has a has a big watermark on it which means number one it's not even their burger. Uh but number two they they clearly didn't license that image. Uh, so that's the number one thing and you'd be surprised at how often that happens. You know, I, I think in terms of the the imagery being used, I guess what I would say is try to move away from the expected. You know, and I, I go back to the, you know, if you ask anyone what the standard shot of a business is, it's the handshake. If you ask someone what the standard shot of, of teamwork is, it's the hands in the middle of the table all grabbing and sort of linking. That stuff's just out there. You think beyond the expected, and and or, or look for images that go beyond the expected, uh, you know often it's it's thinking beyond the literal representations. Uh, you know obviously, we have a lot of people that come to our websites and search for literal terms: you know business, beach, family, apple, um, car, cat, dog, et etc, et etc. Um, where it gets really cool is when you think in terms of emotion and concept what are you trying to convey how do you want people to feel and 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 just as a thought experiment you know looking uh, or searching for images that are about that so rather than looking at images of business search for images of achievement or success or failure or collaboration um you know that's where i think you get into some far more interesting depictions that then allow you to to again cut through that visual noise
1: that's some advanced meta tagging that the photographers are doing, or is that something that your team works with them on as well?
2: We certainly provide guidance and we certainly provide tools that make some of that easy, but I'll be honest the the skilled photographers and contributors i mean keywording is 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 absolutely a critical part of their work and their tasks is and again, it's you have to look at an image and you have to ask yourself, well, what's that image about?" and and it's about you know both the the actual physical things the persons person places things objects that are in the image but what is the image really about from an emotional and from a concept point of view what what were you trying to say when you captured the image and and yeah absolutely the keywording is is absolutely a key element
0: i think it's really interesting that there's definitely been a trend more towards doing that certainly i've seen when you know, product people do their talks, there tends to be like just one phrase and then this very powerful emotive image. And that works really nicely for talks and presentations. And um, how do you use imagery within the team then and within your business? Like, do you reflect on imagery as part of your sort of processes or anything like that?
2: Um, You you know, I, I, I try and spend time every day looking at our imagery and looking at our video and, and just seeing what come has come in and what's new, what's fresh, how, how are we, you know, on the editorial side of the business for Getty Images, you know, how are we telling the story and the news of the day um, on the creative side? You know, I've got a, a number of search, you know, queries that I do on a regular basis. And I just want to get a sense of, you know, how, you know what's coming in what's the latest image of all that and 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 spending time with the images in that way i think is a way of absorbing ourselves in our our core product, which is imagery and footage. So I try and make time for that. It it probably shouldn't be surprising that we use images in a lot of our work. You know, any, any presentation at Getty Images has really good images. (laughs) Um, You know, it's, it's a company where most of us, if not all of us who are here definitely have a a love of content and a love of imagery and a love of video. And and we bring that to work every day. Um, So it's, it's really, it's just part of everything we do. So I want to go back to something you said uh, a lot
1: earlier, where you talked about uh, creating a culture where you had to to work to influence without authority and uh, make sure that, that you created, well, a good environment. So in your role now, how do you work to do that? How do you create a good culture amongst your team?
2: I mean, I, I think it's, you know, we, we have a, a series of leadership principles at Getty Images that we all adhere to. Uh includes being trustworthy, transparent, and honest. It, it includes being kind, courteous, and respectful. Uh, it includes rejecting biased behaviors and discrimination. Uh, and there's there's others. I'm not going to read the whole list because that would probably be quite dull. But But they really <laughs> act as 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 the map it it's it's the it's the guiding principles it's it's not just a list of words on a poster it's it provides a way that we can check ourselves against how we should be behaving as as leaders and as as team members at Getty Images and i i look to those on a regular basis to help guide me um you know i i, I think beyond that you know i think it's always important that people understand what you're doing or what they're doing and why. You know, when we make decisions, uh, when we prioritize things, when we decide what areas of the, invest- of the business we're investing in or, or what features bring to the website, no, no matter who's working on that, they should be able to understand what problem that's intended to solve and why that's important. And I don't think anyone likes putting their heart and soul into a, a long workday and, and not knowing that. We've probably all been in positions where you you work hard all day or all week, and you go home Friday at five thirty, and you you have that feeling, man. I, what did I do? You know, I, was, I worked hard all week, but did I do anything? What did I accomplish? Why why did I put? You know, we spend a lot of time at our jobs. You know, so it, there has to be an understanding of why it mattered, and and when you don't know why it matters, that can leave you feeling very empty and very hollow. So I, I think it's the responsibility of of our of ourselves as leaders to make sure that that folks understand why what they're doing matters, and and we try to deliver that.
1: So every company I've ever worked at has had those list of words and principles. uh, And often they are just a list of words and principles. They're not put into action. Um, I'm going to guess that because you're Canadian, that you might live up to them a little bit more than some of the companies (laughs) that I work at. But can you just give an example of uh, uh, another example of how you might ensure that that's part of the culture that you live rather than just uh, something written down?
2: Sure. I mean, you know, I I think it's it's often I'll leverage them when I'm when I'm dealing with a, a tough situation, or I need to have a hard conversation. I'll, I'll look to those to help guide and structure that conversation. Um, you know, because at, at sometimes it can maybe appear that there's tension between them, but I I think that's where you know we have a, a, a two of them that I mentioned. There's an obligation to be trustworthy, transparent, and honest, but still be care. Uh, bring care, kind, courteous, and respectful. So, if, if I'm thinking about how I'm going to structure a hard conversation, I look to those and and make sure I deliver to both of them. They're 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 not a choice. It's not A or B. I need to be able to deliver to both of them. So so that's one example. But, but I mean, they really are used um, across the the organization in terms of how we evaluate how we're doing as leaders, how our teams are doing, right down to individual performance. So they're they're core to they're core to our culture.
0: Okay, so just one more question before we wrap up. Um, As a chief product officer, what's the one thing or the couple of things maybe that you really, really want your product managers to do? Like maybe they do it already, but what's the one thing that kind of makes your life easier?
2: I think it's over communicating, and having a culture of over communication and allowing information to flow. Information is so powerful; it it provokes curiosity, it allows people to be better at their jobs, and just allowing information to flow vertically, horizontally, let it flow. And and I, you know, we've all worked with people who I I call information dams, where the information's flowing and then it reaches someone and it it stops, it hits mm-hmm. that dam. And anyone beyond that dam doesn't get that information. And, and I think identifying and removing those types of blocks is really important. You got to let it flow. So in, within the product team at Getty Images, we really, really lean into a culture of overcommunication and make sure we're very transparent about what we're doing, why, the results of it. And again, just allow that to flow. And, and I think it's, it's empowering so, for so many people. So that that's, that's probably the one thing.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Grant. It's been so good hearing all about Getty and um, all about your role there. Thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. This was fun.
1: Hey, Lily, are you on the naughty list or the nice list this
0: year? I think we already did this this month, but anyway, I'm on the nice list, of course. But how would I know for sure?
1: Well, let's see. Do you put dates on your roadmaps? Does everyone on your team know what a good result looks like? And when's the last time you actually listened to a
0: customer? Hang on. Are we talking about Santa's list? No, I'm talking
1: about Martin Erickson's list. If you're a good product manager, he'll bring you a stocking full of Post-its and Sharpies.
0: And if you've been naughty?
1: Then you get a visit from the bad stakeholder fairy.
0: Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) (laughs) Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and...
1: Me, Randy Silver.
0: Emily Tate is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor.
1: Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band PAU, that's P-A-U. Thanks to Arne Kittler, who runs Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. Connect with your local product community via Product Tank, our regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide.
0: If there's not one near you, you can consider starting one yourself. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank.
1: Product Tank is a global community of meetups driven by and for product people. We offer expert talks, group discussion, and a safe environment for product people to come together and share learnings and tips.